Do you read the Bible as if your life depends on it? Well, you should. In Dr. Michael Youssef's book, How to Read the Bible, he reveals how the Bible guides you through life with faith and power. You'll understand that from the first pages of Genesis all the way through the last words of Revelation, God is pointing you toward the Lord who saves completely and eternally. Learn how to get your copy of Dr. Yusuf's book, How to Read the Bible, today when you visit ltw.org. ltw.org. Pre-order How to Read the Bible when you call 866-626-4356. Dr. Yusuf is making it available to you when you give a gift of any amount to Leading the Way. The website again, ltw.org. Now, in the pages of Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, we read the story of ten lepers who were healed by Jesus, and yet only one offered praise and thanksgiving for the healing of God. Up next, get a little closer to this story, experience some very powerful lessons about the importance of thanksgiving in life. Listen along with me as Dr. Michael Youssef dives into this very intriguing story. Luke 17 You see that one out of the ten who were supernaturally, miraculously healed by Jesus actually came back to thank Jesus. Not just to give him kind of a lip service or a tippet thank you, (laughs) but this man was just as enthusiastic and just as intense in his thanksgiving as he was when he was begging Jesus for healing. Look at the Scripture with me, please. A group of ten melancholy lepers met Jesus at the border between Samaria and Galilee. I'm going to tell you why the border. This is really important. Luke, being meticulous with the details, he had to give us that little detail. Because by law, the lepers had to live outside the border of the city. By law... Lepers have to live in no man's land. These ten were mixtures of Samaritans and Jews. We don't know exact percentage. Normally, the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealing with each other. You remember from John chapter 4, where Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman, she reminded him, the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. But misery drew the two groups together, the two historic enemies together. (laughs) The ethnic background was not important when your skin is filled with leprosy. You see, when your skin covered with white patches called leprosy, ethnicity doesn't matter anymore. In Leviticus 13, the Bible tells us that the diagnosis of leprosy is left to the priest. And the first time any sign of leprosy on the skin The person goes to the priest, and the priest gives him seven days of isolation to see if this is just a passing case or not. And after seven days, he examines him again, and if seven days later still there, then he declares him a leper, and declared that by the priest. At that point, he was taken away into isolation. They have to be outside of society, the outside of the city wall, outside of the community. They have to be isolated. The only person who's allowed to be near a leper is another leper. A leper's life 
was like hell on earth. It really is. We cannot even comprehend that. Because in the Old Testament, leprosy was a type of sin. Do you know what I mean by type? Exactly. It has nothing to do with sin, but it's a type of sin. Just like we say that in the Bible, Pharaoh is a type of Satan. He's not Satan, but he's a type of Satan. And the idea is the community has to stay pure. The community of God, the people of God, have to stay away from being contaminated. And so the Samaritans shoved the lepers outside the border, and so did the Jews from Galilee. So they ended up on the border between those two regions. That is why Jesus, and only Jesus, could touch a leper. Why? Because he is the only sin bearer who can touch a sinner without being a sinner himself. Because he's the only one who could touch a sinner without being contaminated with sin. Because he's the only perfect, sinless God-man who takes away our sin. And so these ten stood at distance, and they yelled out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Probably somebody told them, hey, guys, Jesus is going to bypass this area. Nobody ever comes near us. Nobody comes in this border town. But here he is coming by. And so they knew right away that only Jesus could heal them. So they began to yell, Jesus, have mercy on us. You see, only Jesus understood their desperation. Only Jesus understood their predicament. Only Jesus understood their feeling of rejection. Only Jesus understood their desperate need and their deepest longing. Only Jesus understood the crushed spirits on the inside of them. Only Jesus understood their painful loneliness. Only Jesus understood that lonely isolation. Only Jesus have understood their inner pain. Look at the text with me, please. This is the amazing thing. Jesus doesn't even tell them you're healed. You know, many times he'll touch people and they were healed. And he doesn't even tell them that. You just notice that in that text. He didn't tell them, hey, you're supernaturally miraculously been healed. No, no, no. You know what he said to them? Go and show yourselves to the priests so you can get a certification of cleansing. Think about this with me, okay? Think about it. The people who were looked upon as the worst of the worst, now they can enter back into society. Now they can get jobs. Now they can talk to people. Now they can even marry and have children. And that's what Jesus did for them. Beyond the physical healing, that's what he did for them. It was more than just healing a disease or a condition. He restored the earthly life. He made the life possible again. But here's the tragedy. Here's the tragedy. Only one of the ten came back. These nine took their healing for granted. These nine, they took the gift and dumped the giver. These nine thought that it was naming it and claiming it, blabbing it and grabbing it. It was healed them. Nothing has changed. 
people always give themselves the credit for their positive attitude, for positive mental attitude that really accomplish things. Only one came back to Jesus with deep, deep, deep sense of gratitude and thankfulness. As I said, Dr. Luke is so meticulous with details that he made sure that we knew that this one was a Samaritan. <laughs> he made sure that we understood that. Now, beloved, I want to tell you something. I have known some militant Muslim when they prayed in the room in thanksgiving for God's salvation by grace through Jesus Christ, the room in which I'm standing shook. And today we have well-meaning evangelicals in the West who are embarrassed about biblical truth, about biblical morality, embarrassed by identifying with the infallible Word of God. Listen to me. Gratitude to God for our salvation should not be something that is rare. It ought to be as regular as our heartbeat. I want you to notice there are two separate acts in verses 15 and 16. Two separate acts. Verse 15, he praised God in a loud voice. That wasn't enough. Verse 16, he falls on his face before Jesus in thanksgiving. Now, I want to give you three lessons from this incident, okay? Three lessons. First thing, lesson I want to tell you is this. Many are the requests. Few are the thanks. Secondly, many are the professed. Few are the gratitudes. And thirdly, the greatest blessing is in thanksgiving. And the greater your thanks, the greater your blessing. I want to show you these very, very quickly. Many are the requests. Few are the thanks. I really, really try to work hard with the text as I grapple with it every week. And I genuinely try to give those nine the benefit of the doubt. Let's just give them a benefit of the doubt, okay? Just let's say they just dried up Presbyterians. <laughs> or Baptists. Or whatever your line of uh, libel is. They're just not into praising God loudly like the old Pentecostals used to. Look, I understand. Not everyone is demonstrative and loud. I understand that. I really do. But please, these people did not care to thank Jesus in any shape or form. They didn't even mumble the words. They just never showed up. When they needed Jesus to heal them, they yelled out in a loud voice, Jesus, have mercy. When they wanted a miracle, when they were desperate, when they were in trouble, when they were in need, they yelled it out. Many of the requests, few are the thanks. Secondly, many of the profess, few are the true grateful. We're not told if the other nine did not believe in Jesus. We don't know that, okay? We are not told 
if the other nine did not profess to be Christians. We don't know that. But we know they have must believed in Jesus' words because they did head up straight to the priests. At time of their need, they would profess anything. and the time of their need, they would do anything. At time of their need, they would accept anything. That's going to help them. And yet, when the desperation was met, was never translated into tangible thankfulness. It was never translated into practical gratitude. It was never translated into a tangible expression of thanksgiving. Listen, there's so many people who wrestle with God like Jacob, so many who would intercede like Elijah, so many who would plead with God like Jeremiah, but very few come back to the Lord with the same intensity as this ex-leper Samaritan. I pray, God, that would never be said of me. Many other requests, few other thanks, many other professing, few other true grateful. Thirdly, this is really important. The greater the thanksgiving, the greater the blessing. See, the blessing is not just in petitioning and receiving answer. There is far greater blessing that untold blessing that comes from the very attitude of gratitude, that comes from the heart of thanksgiving. And I'm not talking about just on occasions or in public. I'm talking about daily, just like your heartbeat. I want you to notice a few things about this Samaritan. First of all, his determination. I mean, this man was determined. He was determined. And he returned to Jesus alone. Do you understand that? alone. He was a Samaritan. The others were Jews, but that did not matter to him. He could have said to himself, you know what I need to do? I don't like to go back to Jesus alone. His fellow Jews didn't go. Why would I? He could have said to himself, you know what? I'll wait until they go, and I go with them. But he didn't. Why? because his attitude of gratitude delighted in singing the song of thanksgiving alone. Beloved, listen to me. This is my testimony. I cannot measure my thankfulness by others, and I plead with you to do the same. Even if they appear to be more spiritual, even if they seem to be more versed in the Scripture than you are, even if they appear to be more visibly involved in church activities than you are, even if they seem project maturity than others. Some of you remember me telling you on several occasions, I already told you, that the man who discipled me in my very early walk with Jesus was an illiterate man. I have never forgotten and never will forget those lessons. He instilled in me something like this, Michael, if you ever want to stumble in your Christian walk, keep your eyes on church leaders. Keep your eyes on church leaders. I'll never forget. And he said, you know what? The bigger they are, the worse you stumble. And he doesn't mean being fat. (laughs) Big. Big names. He said, always keep your eyes on Jesus. He will never, never, never cause you to stumble. This ex-leper was determined, but he also was prompt. He was prompt. 
He came back to Jesus immediately. He did not wait a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. Beloved, don't put off your tangible thankfulness. Don't put it off. Don't wait for an opportune time. It may never come. He was determined. He was prompt, but he also was intense. He was not satisfied with a tippid, thank you. He was not satisfied with a cold handshake and saying thank you. He returned in a loud voice, equal in loudness to the voice by which he petitioned Jesus to heal him. Listen, he was not showing off. You've got to understand, I'm going to explain to you why. He's not showing off. He, he was not trying to draw attention to himself. And I'll tell you why. Most likely, he didn't even understand these kind of subtleties that we have normally, didn't understand these things because we, in a cynical culture, we can say things like that. But, but this man was isolated just most of his life, so he really wasn't even thinking those kinds of thoughts. But he expressed his thanksgiving with the same intensity by which he asked. This man fell at Jesus' feet as if to say, Jesus, without your love, Jesus, without your grace, Jesus, without your healing, Jesus, without your mercy, I'm nothing. Verse 18. You see, Jesus expresses a real disappointment. A real disappointment. Here's the one thing a lot of people don't understand, even church people. See, Jesus is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. I used to know somebody many years ago who said, there's a force. No, it is, he's a person. And it's referred to as he in the Bible, in the masculine. And that is why the Bible said he grieves, that our deliberate disobedience grieves him. I know if I'm convicted, I said something I shouldn't have said. I immediately stop. I said, Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. I want to ungrieve you by my obedience. Is a person. My beloved friend, please listen carefully. Here's where this Samaritan, ex-leper, could have blown it. You say, Michael, what do you mean by that? He could have blown it. How? You know, Jesus, they're just not as grateful as I am. <laughs> you know, Jesus, we Samaritans have really been misunderstood all these years. <laughs> Lord have mercy. He did nothing of a sort. He was not interested in pointing out to other people's weaknesses. It's like that Indian songwriter who suffered so much for Jesus. And they tried to convince her to turn her back on Jesus. And she sat down and wrote the song, which we sing occasionally in this church. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. No turning back. No turning back. Now I want to conclude by pointing to the most important, the most stupendous, the most fantastic, the most indescribable, I don't know how many adjectives I couldn't find anymore in the dictionary, blessing that came from this thanksgiving, from the attitude of gratitude on the part of this 
Samaritan. Don't forget this. Verse 19. Verse 19. Please don't forget what I'm going to tell you because this is really important. This is important. Verse 19. Look at it with me. This grateful man already received physical healing, but his coming back with effusive thank you ended up receiving a gift that is way beyond the physical healing. He received a unique, spiritual, eternal healing that the others did not get. You see, beyond the miracle and beyond the healing, beyond the material and earthly blessings, there is a blessing that is far, far, far more important. There is a blessing that is far, far, far more tangible. There is a blessing that lasts forever and ever. It is lasting and everlasting. All the ten lepers physically healed, and yet only the thankful Samaritan received eternal salvation. Listen to what Jesus said to him. Rise, go your way, your faith had made you completely eternally healed. That's really literally what it means. Beloved, your continuous gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord has a blessing all its own. All its own. Your continuous gratitude and thankfulness can give you a blessing that cannot be valued by all of the wealth of the world. I want to conclude also by telling you a true story. It was a wonderful man of God in the early 1900s by the name of Henry W. Frost. He was a missionary to China. One day, Mr. Frost received distressing news from home. And for weeks, for weeks, he could not overcome the cloud of depression that has come upon him, covered him like a blanket as a result of hearing this distressing news. And he said, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I read the Scripture, and I read the Scripture. But that spirit of heaviness would not lift. So one day he decided to go out of the city into the inland mission station, way out in the middle of nowhere. There was a mission station, and he said, I walked in the door. As soon as I walked in the door, there was a sign on the wall. Two words. And the sign says, Try Thanksgiving. Try Thanksgiving. He said, as if the Lord put it there, and yet it was there for years. Try Thanksgiving. Here's his testimony. He said, I did. And immediately he saw that mantle of depression lifted and joy returned. Try Thanksgiving. Would you say that with me with enthusiasm? Thank you for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way. Now, if what you heard today has sparked some faith life questions, won't you consider speaking with a Leading the Way pastor or a counselor? You can begin that conversation by filling out a short contact form at ltw.org slash Jesus. You know, whenever I listen to Dr. Yousef teach, I'm always struck by his obvious passion for drawing listeners into a closer walk with Christ. 
In addition to his audio teachings, Dr. Youssef also offers a daily e-devotional. It's sent right to your email with a few verses and pastor's thoughts, making it all relevant for life in 2023. And recently, Dr. Youssef expanded the reach of this devotional content by offering it as a daily audio podcast. Both are called My Devotional. So sign up for My Devotional at ltw.org. And then for the audio podcast, search for My Devotional wherever you listen to your podcast. Do remember that Leading the Way is listener-supported. That means that it's only through your prayers and your generosity that the truth continues to be passionately proclaimed, both at home and around the world. Partner with Dr. Youssef. Visit ltw.org. Or call us, speak with a ministry representative at 866-626-4356. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.